we may now consider for a little that we shall be enabled. Words you will find in the chapter we read together. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 16. And we may read at the, again at the 13th verse. Luke chapter 16 at verse 30. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold with the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and man. In the context we have the parable of the unjust whom his Lord commended for his wisdom. And we are told that in their own generation the children of this world are wiser than the children of life. Christ advises his disciples to emulate or to imitate the children of the world in this respect, in their wisdom, not in their wickedness or in their worldliness, but in their wisdom that they, that is the children of light, should they show as much wisdom and exercise as much prudence in spiritual things as the children of the world exercise in worldly things. And uh, <clears throat> without entering into the intricacies of this parable, and we might see in passing that perhaps no portion of scripture has been given so many different interpretations because uh, of certain uh, inherent difficulties but without considering that at the moment we may go on to this all-important inference that Christ himself draws from his own teaching he makes it a statement but it is an inference that follows naturally and necessarily from the doctrine he had been preached. Namely, no servant can serve two masters. But either he will love the one and despise the other. Or he will take to the one and uh, deserve the other. <clears throat> and then 
this all-important emphatic utterance that admits of no contradiction and no qualification. He cannot serve God and mammon. Now for a little this morning, <clears throat> we may consider first the fact that we are servants. We are servants. There is nothing whatsoever we can do about that. That is our position and condition in the order of created beings. Yea, all created beings are servants. They are servants of the Creator. At least to begin with. We are servants. We cannot do anything about it. That is, we have to serve. You remember that the sin of man to begin with has a close relationship to this. When the tempter tempted our first parents, he said, he shall be as the gods. And that implies not only the knowledge of good and evil, that is certainly the first thing, but it implies more. He shall be as gods. That is, you, you will be your own masters. You won't be servants any longer. what happened? The only thing that could possibly happen. Man did not get away from being a servant. What he did do by his sin was he changed his master. He, ch he changed his position. He deserved it. God turned away from him and sold himself, albeit unconsciously, but never the man, nevertheless really, sold himself to another master, the devil. He couldn't get away from being a servant. You remember how Paul brings this out in the episode of the Romans? When ye were without God, ye served divers lusts and pleasures. Ye served them that are who by nature are no gods. That's not only in the Epistle to the Romans, it's throughout the old, the old New Testament and the old one for that matter. But now serve righteousness. 
give your members to be servants of righteousness. You must serve. And furthermore, you must serve one of two masters. With all the multiplicity of, serv of service there is, with all the variety, there are in the last analysis but two masters. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, and there is no other master. It's one of these. It's either God or the devil, one or the other. About that, there is nothing that can be done. It is imprinted on our whole nature, in virtue of our creation. We must serve. We must serve one of two. But it cannot be said in the same way that there is nothing that can be done about our choice of masters. About being servants we can do nothing, and nothing can be done for us. But about our choice of masters, there is something that can be done. And there is something that we always do. In the first place, we choose our master. Both the wicked and the just, the righteous and the unrighteous, choose their master. That, of course, follows inevitably from the fact that man is a responsible being, or rather, his responsibility follows upon his power of choice. It is impossible to conceive of responsibility apart from the will. Man has a will, and he is responsible for his choice, absolutely responsible. Nowhere a question or a difference of opinion comes in here is not on the fact that man has a will. Not on the fact that man is responsible for his choice, but there is a vast difference of opinion as to what this will is, what it can do, and what it can't do. Now, relative to this point, to his choice of Masters, or to his choice of a master, 
we say emphatically that the, the man who is a servant of Babon chooses his master. It is his own choice. Of course, when you ask, can he do anything else? That's another question. An entirely different question. But, basically, any other question affects not this condition, that man, in whatever state he is, chooses his master. Man in a state of innocence did choose. He refused, he turned away from God, and he chose the devil as his master. He chose Mammon. Now, while Mammon refers uh, more often to um, this world's uh, goods, filthy lucre, as Paul puts it, here we may take it as meaning that which is distinct from and contrary to God. He cannot serve God, and it could be anyone else. No man chooses master. And that choice is repeated in all his children. By natural generation, they choose their master. They are slaves, yes, but they are willing slaves. They wish to be like that. And uh, when a man wishes to be and wills to be something, he is responsible, wholly responsible for his own action. Man, therefore, has to lay whatever service he is in, the fact that he is in it, he has to trace to himself. If he wants to complain of hard service, if he wants to get away from this hard service, he must always remember that he himself is responsible for it. Both by the act of his first parents and his own. Here he is. He chooses his master. Now this is an exclusive choice. There cannot be two. Now perhaps there is nothing in this world so common on the part of men as an attempt to serve two masters. It is most common. People, despite the clear warnings of Scripture, still go on thinking 
دهده میسر تو دیتینگ ایکن زرگاد اند مبا دیتینگ ایکن سر تروت اند فالسو رایتوسنس اند رایتوسنس maybe it is not common to find people doing this deliberately they try to hide this from themselves as well as from others the fact that they do try to serve two masters they wish to hide it from themselves and of course they like to think that they serve God and not man. Now if one's whole life is service, and if he cannot divide his services between two masters, And if he is responsible for the choice of ma- masters that he makes, then that must be a very solid and thus a very serious business without any doubt. And furthermore, See the comprehensiveness of this. It is not a case of a man saying, well, I choose God for my master. But remember, my friends, as far as we are concerned, and we are talking from that side just now, from that viewpoint, as far as our personal activity is concerned, we choose every day. We choose almost every moment of the day. It is something that forces itself upon us. Something which we cannot escape. Every difficulty, every problem, every moral problem that comes our way comes with this question, who is your master? Who is your master? You are going to serve whom? Whom will you serve? It comes up again and again and again. And there's no getting away from it. But that it is not in this sense a choice that, that one makes once and for all and has nothing more to do with or it is it is persistent it is inescapable it forces itself upon us however much we would like to hide from it now you know that 
in a steward it is required that one should be found faithful. In a servant it is required that one should be found faithful. Faithful to his master. Now, the servants of Mammon, the servants of the evil one, are, are 100% faithful. They are faithful all the time. They are always in his service. They never get away from it. And even while it may appear at some times that, that, that they are unfaithful in his service, actually they are not. The unrighteous do nothing but unrighteousness. They are always in a state of unrighteousness. The confession of hate puts it like this. Although men in a natural state may do many things that are commendable in themselves, many things that are for the substance of them good and right yet because these things are not done from a right motive to a right end they are not righteous they are sinful <clears throat> hence we say that the servants of mammon are always faithful to it they never do anything else but unrighteousness But alas, that is not true of the servants of God. They are not always faithful. The others are faithful because they cannot be anything else. But in the case of serving God, the position is entirely different. One may be, and one often is, unfaithful. And this is the heart of the problem. When a righteous man performs an unrighteous deed, who serves Whose servant is he then? He is doing the work of unrighteousness, the work of Mammon. Yet he is a servant of God. We refer to his unfaithfulness as a servant. Whose servant is he then at that particular moment? He cannot be. The servant of two masters. That is an intriguing question. A 
to do with the whole uh, the whole position and the whole condition of the sanctification of the of the believer. Is that retrogression in the work of sanctification? Does the believer ever go back? He is unfaithful. That question doesn't arise. He sins, yes, alone on all hands. But that's not exactly the same as sin. That uh, <clears throat> he has become, at least for the time being, the servant of Mammon. But has he? That's the question. Well, of course, like every other question, we have to look at it from all its phases. Nothing is so fertile of error as looking at the thing from one side and ignoring every other side. Now, the answer to that question is both yes and no. No, in the sense of our text. No man can serve two masters. And the believer, once uh, he comes into the service of God, is always under God as his master. Hence there is a world of difference between what we might call the unfaithfulness of the sin and the sin of the unbeliever. This is one of them, at least. It doesn't clarify the situation much, but perhaps it may give us an idea. There is a difference between a traitor and a prisoner of war. The traitor goes over voluntarily to the enemy to do the service of the enemy against his own country and countrymen. The prisoner of war is in the enemy's power too. Yes. But he is there not as a traitor. He is there as one who has been overpowered by superior force. His heart is still loyal to his own country. He is in the enemy's power, no doubt. But there is a limit to the way in which they can use the prisoner of war. He still can put up resistance. Within well-defined limits, yes, but he still can. He hasn't sold his country. He's not able to do much for it, no. Nevertheless, his heart is still loyal. 
Now that, that illustration can only be carried so far. If it could account for all the factors in the case, then we would have an answer. But it doesn't. And the reason is this, that in moral problems, and more so in spiritual problems, there are factors entering in um, which we do not find in the things of this life at all. Hence, no illustration taken from the works of nature or from the works of man can, in all points, set before us the um, set before us spiritual questions or spiritual problems that may be analogous in some respects to the one we take in nature. Whose servant is he? We reply that he is the servant of God. But he is the servant of God doing what he ought not to do. He is the service of God doing the work of the devil. And sin is always the work of the devil and it's nothing else. And can never be anything else. Nevertheless, as true is standing, he is a servant of God. What follows? Well, it's this. That there are aggravations of his sin that cannot be found in the sin of the unbeliever. So far from justifying him, the position is in his list that considered in itself, it is the most dangerous and the conditions attended with most gift that one can possibly give. A believer's unfaithfulness to God has aggravations in it that cannot attend the sins of the unbeliever. Hence, my friends, the call to take this to heart, ye cannot serve two masters. When you pro profess to be the servant of one and be his servant indeed, Oh, then how careful, how much would one ought to be lest one should find oneself in the service of the enemy. He only says, go to Israel, have I known of all the families of the earth? Therefore, I will punish you. This does not lend itself to lasciviousness. It has the very opposite effect. Grace understood in its biblical setting is the most powerful motive to holiness that we can possibly conceive of. It does not and cannot encourage one in sin. The abuse of it may, yes. But not grace, as it is said before us in the word of God. No. He cannot serve two masters if you profess to serve God. See the obligation you are under to be serving him always. 
not to be found in the service of the enemy. For while your position as a servant cannot change, your exercise may change great. And in that sense, your exercise may be the service of the devil. In your person, you're a servant of God and can never be anything else. But yet, you may do the work of the devil. You cannot serve God and mammon. No servant can serve two masters. He will love one and despise the other. Now consider that. Consider that. And that my friend is included in the service. To love the master. Look at Peter. Denied his, uh, his master three times. Denied him with oath and curses. Yes. But he still loved. He still loved. And the proof of that love was that when the Lord looked upon him, he went up and wept bitterly. He loved him. He loved him. He served him that for And his service was a service of love. <clears throat> and this must be the case with all who serve. They must love him. But this is the first thing he asks of them. Thou shalt love the Lord. <clears throat> Now as to our choice, as we said, it is possible to change one service, to change the to um, leave the service of Mammon and enter the service of Christ or of God. Not of course by any power the human will. Certainly cannot do it by that. But it is possible that this should take place. And it is possible because the grace of God includes this in it. It calls from darkness to light. From the kingdom of sin to God to serve him. But at the same time, each one is responsible for the master whom he serves. He is responsible for his choice of master. And is held responsible by God. And furthermore, the word comes out from God always. Choose ye this day whom he will serve. This day and every day. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. It is a daily thing as to our exercise. As for me and my house, we will serve. 